The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk and Built by Nature. Catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and Facebook. And get involved with the show using hashtag TFToday. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show that is back for a second consecutive day, but, you know, we're not bragging or anything. <laughs> My name's Greg Tupper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook or you're listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I'm sitting here, sitting over there, celebrating her 38th birthday today. The reason we went to the Breakfast Club, happy birthday to Beyonce. Sure. That's true. That was a, that was a big selling point. That was a selling point. But the food is pretty much what keeps you there. Adam it, Coleman from the Houston Chronicle said you got to go to the Breakfast Club. Yep. And we were we trust in Adam, Houston, by the way. Yes, yes. We we trust Adam Coleman implicitly. Oh, of course. Like we just we just trust him. But then he said, "This is the place that Beyonce goes whenever she comes back to town." Yeah. And that was okay. Well, this is serious business then. Yeah. No. Uh, first four through the door. Brent Homan, who, by the way, mm. won the high school pick'em contest oh, in my week one. God. Blind squirrels and nuts. Am I right? Uh, Alan Pope. Maybe phrase that differently. Nah, with Brent. he deserves it. <laughs> He deserves it. He deserves it. Uh, Alan Pope was our college football winner. We will uh, be sending those notifications out. Actually, technically, Ishmael won, but he can't win. He can't win the college. But, Ish- but, but Ishmael wants me to tell you, behold your new god. Yeah, that's, that's, what that's what he wants us to pass along. Uh, the other three through the door, Matt McSpadden, Tony Blaylock, and Phil Vaney. What's up, y'all? Uh, Greg Powers is here of Next Level Athlete. You haven't been on in like a couple weeks. Man, it's been like. I'm surprised we can remember. I hope we don't mess up our intro. Uh, I hope so, too. That would be very embarrassing here on this, a well-oiled machine of a show. Nah, we'll screw it up. Um, One of us will. Today is Wednesday, September 4th, 2019, 85 days until the best day of the year. Episode 809-809, the number of plate appearances for Hank Allen in his illustrious Washington Senators career from 1966 to 1970. On today's show, folks, people never say the L in folks. They don't. Uh, on today's show, folks, uh, we will have This Week in Cruton with Powers. We're going to be talking about uh, uh, all things recruiting in the state of Texas. He's going to hop on. There he is. There's our special boy. Sorry I kept him I off. was contemplating the L and folks still. I was folks. like, do they act? Do, when you said well, it, like, do you actually, I think you actually well, say it's it. It's spelled the same way as yolks, right? As like, it it, like egg yolks. And you don't really say, you really pronounce it like Y-O-K-E-S. Anyway, this is the dumbest. We're doing it's just so stupid. Episode eight hundred nine, brother. Um, <laughs> still cooking. We are going to do this week in recruiting, and then back half the show. A very special treat for you. Uh, we recorded this a couple weeks ago. A week ago. A week ago. A week ago. God, a lot's happened in a week. Dude, it has been a week. Yeah. Um, but we are. We had an opportunity to chat with Bill Theodore and Rod McLean. They are officials in TASO, the Texas Association of Sports Officials. Last year, we had our inaugural. Uh, officials roundtable here on Texas football today, an opportunity to pick the brain of officials and stuff like that. And it was a huge success. And so we were like, why don't we just run it back? And so we did. And so you will get to hear from, uh, we, we had a great conversation with some Tasso officials about what it's like to be an official, uh, the challenges, the new rules this year and how they're adjusting to it. 
all those interesting things. Uh, we had a great conversation with Bill Theodore and Rod McLean of Tasso. You will not want to miss our second annual uh, officials roundtable uh, coming up here at the back half of the show. Uh, one thing that is worth mentioning, I need to I need to alert you guys to a public service uh, announcement. Uh oh. Texas State's punter this is, is really. from Australia, and his name is Seamus O'Kelly. <sighs> but he didn't look gingery enough for you to be this he excited. Is, no, no, he didn't look like um, like I was really picturing. I, I wanted it to be a choice of does he accept the scholarship to kick for Texas State or does he accept the scholarship to be uh, the mascot at Notre Dame? Those were like I wanted it to be those two, but instead it's like oh, he's just a guy. Looks like name Seamus O'Kelly. Well, that was worth it. Anyway, uh, this has been a public service announcement from your friends at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. <clears throat> I'm Greg Tepper. That's Greg Powers, and this is This Week in Cruton. Good job, Steve. Uh, Maybe it's been so long. This weeks. month in Cruton. A couple weeks. On, yeah, this month in Cruton. It's Greg Powers of Next Level Athlete. Follow him on Twitter at Scout. although you're threatening to change your Twitter handle again. Yeah, that was just for fun. Okay, maybe good. I will, maybe I won't. <laughs> Scout uh, and follow Next Level Athlete, our uh, valued recruiting partner on Twitter at NextLevelD1. Powers, how are you? Great. Where were you on Friday? Cedar Hill Allen. Oh, I'm very interested in what you thought of all of that. <laughs> the, first off, there were a lot of Good players on the field. Allen is definitely overhauled in a, a new-look squad completely mm-hmm. from what they were one year ago. Raylan Sharp was really impressive. He had some shining moments, especially early on in the game where he established a good Allen lead that Cedar Hill was not able to overcome with a couple of uh, significant touchdown runs, 80 and 16 yards. SMU got a pretty good player, I think, in him. Of course, he'll probably transition into the slot, but he, as he warmed up throughout the game, he actually threw – much better than I had anticipated. Um, and Cedar Hill has a lot of talent. Yeah. You know, where I feel like Allen won the game was up front on mm-hmm. the defensive side of the football. Um, Cedar Hill has a very good defensive line, but I feel like their O-line was overmatched yeah. in that game. But they have a lot of playmakers in that game with Geyer, I think, this week's a pretty interesting one. I was interested with with, um, with hearing about Raylan Sharp because this is a guy that I think um, is playing quarterback for Allen – this year because he is their best overall player. You know what I mean? Like right. the most dynamic overall playmaker. And so as a result, they, they put him at quarterback. I was, I'm, I'm, that's interesting that you say that he, he grew as a, a th- as a thrower, uh, as a passer uh, through, as the game kind of wore on. Well, what's really going to help him out is they have established wide receiver core there with the twin brothers, Bryson and Blaine green. Mm-hmm. Um, they're reliable. They run good routes. They're big bodied. They shield defenders from the football. So he's going to have uh, the ability to have an out yeah. you know, on third down. Mm-hmm. He can look to one of those guys. And it's hard for a high school team to match up with them with two corners. Yes. You know, that's going to be difficult. Cedar Hill had those guys, mm-hmm. but not every team they play is going to have yeah. that. Big so, game this week against Dickinson, though. He'll be fun. Uh, that's the, there, that's the, the one on the schedule. I think the regular season schedule that you circle yeah. if you're concerned about Allen losing a game this year, that's the one that you have to think about that could be a, a strong – Possibility. Really interesting cross-regional matchup. Greg Powers, the next level athlete. Let's get into our normal signposts. We will start with our prospect on the rise. Our prospect on the rise, you will find a kicker. It kind Mans- of falls in line with your punter from Texas yes! State to start See, the show Max, off, I guess. It all makes sense. Uh, Mansfield Nothing Lake Ridge's <laughs> uh, Tabor Allen uh, is the first kicker to ever be named on this. Uh, this is a guy who, uh, who, who pushed Lake Ridge over 
Tulsa Union, which if you're unfamiliar with Oklahoma high school football, big, big is, uh, I mean, fundamentally like beating like Katie of, of Oklahoma. Not as good as Katie. I'm not saying that. But they are a dominant power up there in Oklahoma. You heard it here first. Katie sucks. Um, Allen, uh, Allen uh, kicked the last second field goal to win. Um, he was He's one of the top 12 kickers in the nation. Uh, this is a guy... You know, uh, we don't talk a ton about kickers, but, you know, look, coaches are out there trying to recruit this kid, and he's, he's a guy that's on a lot of people's lists. Well, I think, too, as the season progresses, you'll see a guy like him pop up on, on more lists. He only mm-hmm. attempted six field goals as a junior in 2018, and he's already out of the gate strong this year, and he's known for his kickoff ability. So mm-hmm. out of all of that top 12 kickers uh, that Chris Saylor kicking evaluated, which is known as one of the top two kicking institutions or kicking networks mm-hmm. in the country uh he had the strongest and most powerful kickoff leg 4.2 second hang time and average 80 yards per kickoff so you combine that with some accuracy at, as a field goal kicker and i think that you'll start to see uh colleges step up to him utsa and army uh he reports are the two that are showing him the most interest so far uh but i think that'll pick up as things progress um so uh, a name to know from a uh, from a kicking perspective, Mansfield Lakers' Tabor Allen, six one one eighty, good size for a kicker. Yeah. I think people usually think of kickers as like scrawny, but like not scrawny. We have a lot of good kickers, man. Looking back at Cade York uh, uh-huh. last year, Caden Davis at Capel, and now you have a pretty good. Uh, set of kickers coming out this year. So Texas is starting to produce. Our commit of the week, we go all the way to the class of twenty twenty two. This kid's a sophomore, uh, Bryce Anderson, uh, the athlete of uh, out of Beaumont Westbrook. Um, I guess you could say he's staying home uh, as he committed to uh, to LSU. Uh, but what's interesting to, to me is this is a guy who played his first varsity game last week. Right. Uh, he was on JV last year. Uh, he did play for Team USA in the International Bowl. Uh, so we're seeing some scrimmage highlights here. But this is a guy that you say might be the most talented player in the city of Beaumont that is saying something considering the, the, the depth of talent there uh, in, in Beaumont. And I think by the end of the year that we will be saying that. Of course, he has a rival on his own team and Thad Johnson who will probably have something to say about that who's a senior that's really, really talented. He's going to have a lot of offers. He's in our DCTF top 100. Um, but I think Bryce, when he is fully converted into the defensive backfield, uh, is going to be that guy. Yeah. You know, And, he, and the offer list – which is kind of surprising for not having a lot of varsity level tape was already significant with Alabama, Oklahoma, Georgia, uh, Texas and Texas A&M. And he picked LSU. Uh, Not a huge surprise. I don't think, I think Beaumont Westbrook has a pretty good connection uh, with LSU. They've got Mm -hmm. some players on the roster already. So uh, Caleb on chase on the name that's going to stick out. And I know that people who are watching that Texas LSU game this weekend are know that name. So, uh, well, yeah, big pickup for LSU. North Shore, though. Oh, North Shore, you're right. Come on, you're get right. together over there. Who's the recruit, Nick? Good yeah, lord. Um, I, I need to correct myself. Uh, Bryce Anderson did play varsity in the playoffs last yeah, year. Yeah, he so, was in the state championship game. Yeah, so he played a little bit as a freshman uh, last year on varsity. But this is a guy who uh, mainly doing his damage to free safety, but they like him at quarterback too. This is a dynamic athlete there for Westbrook. That if you are worried about uh, the Bruins going away. Uh, may I tell you that uh, that you don't need to worry. It seems like Eric Peavy's squad is going to be just fine. Uh, now with an LSU commit in, in Bryce Anderson out of Beaumont Westbrook. But yeah, I mean, you're talking about... That, that strikes me, and, and walk me through this a little bit, because we're talking about a kid who did not play a lot of varsity ball, basically only in the playoffs. Is this a, the type of situation where 
schools are going to Westbrook to check out other players, and then they say, oh, you got this freshman too? Or are they making trips to go see him? Well, I mean, they don't have to make trips to go see him now that he's committed, but yeah. Westbrook is one of those teams that has tons of talent and colleges are going through yeah. there all the time. You know, in their 2020 class, they have – uh, three guys that already have offers in Thad Johnson, Jay Bell, and Jacoby Holland. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, every year they're going to produce top recruits. So it's it's not off the beaten path yeah. recruiting-wise. And I think that he was a guy – I mean, because his offers started coming in very early, he scored 60 touchdowns. And you pointed that out whenever <laughs> we named him. He was the underclassman of the week a few weeks back. And that was a statistic I didn't know at the time, that he scored that many touchdowns on the freshman JV team. Um, that'll start to get you noticed by your coaches on your team, and they're the ones who are then the connection to the colleges to get you recruited. So it starts with the Texas high school coach knowing the talent in his program and knowing who to tell these colleges about. Yeah. And when you have that trust of the college when you're a head coach, which obviously Westbrook does, they're a quality program with a quality staff, uh, the colleges listen to you. And I think that's where it kind of started with Bryce. Uh, speaking of uh, of safeties, we go to Cannadale for our underclassmen of the week, 2021 safety, J.D. Coffey. Um, a guy who has been really productive his last couple of years. Yes, last couple of years, meaning freshman yep. and sophomore years. Uh, he got an offer uh, most li- recently from Stanford. That is on a list of pretty much a who's who, including Notre Dame, uh, Texas, Houston, Missouri, Florida. Kennedale uh, known a lot for that running game, but this defense with J.D. Coffey is starting to thump. And we list him as a safety, but I think he's a guy who could probably play corner, too. He played nickel back that freshman year when he collected six interceptions, played more as a safety last year as a sophomore. It would be interesting to see how he develops going down the line. But he is a kid with a lot of Texas high school football experience. When he walks off the field, he'll be a four-year starter. Um, And he's a hitter. Obviously, that's going to be something that jumps out about him because he probably gets a lot of practice at hitting in practice at Kennedale. Yeah, you're not going to be afraid of contact there. So if no. you can have some coverage skills to go with that hitting ability, and he obviously does with that 12 interception stat line, uh, then I think colleges are obviously going to be all over you. And he has the size, you know, five eleven, yeah. six foot, legit. So, I mean, those are some good. Those are some good intangibles. I love the Stanford offer because it shows what he does off the field. Yeah. You know, you, not everyone gets a Stanford offer. And looking at his his offer list so far, Notre Dame is a pretty good academic institution, and there's some good academic schools on there, but Stanford takes it to another level to know that he can be recruited by anyone in the country. Certainly. Uh, J.D. Coffey, the name to know there at Kennedy out there, uh, junior safety this year. Uh, talking with Greg Powers of Nexel Lovelight here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation, hashtag TF Today. To our recruiter of the week, it's a guy I've heard of, uh, <laughs> Rockwall wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, who uh, this is going to stun people, but had a really good game against Highland Park. Uh, 12 catches, 269 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, he's committed to Ohio State. We have him number 10 in the state in the DCTF Hot 100. You can find it at texasfootball.com slash recruiting. Uh, he's on our Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year watch list. Um, he is sensational. Man, you're talking about a guy who's a legit under 4-6 laser time Receiver 391 Pro Shuttle, who's probably pushing 200 pounds. Yeah. You know, this is, you're watching next level athlete camp tape of him from 
the the year before his junior season. So this is when he's actually a sophomore in high school, and you can see his frame and uh, size and what he's bringing to the table. The the length kind right. of draw like draws your eye. You're like, whoa, this kid has a wingspan. This dude, and 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 even when he's running hard, he doesn't look like he's running hard. If that makes it, sense, you no, know, it does because he. He gets off the line really well, mm-hmm. and he doesn't look like he's moving as fast as he is, and that gives defensive backs a world of trouble. He's a he's a vertical threat, but he's a guy that you can get the football to underneath. Uh, he, he's a guy who you can look to on third third and long when you need to come up with a big play. Uh, he's a guy that you can go to. It was a really really tough choice for yeah recruit of the week this week. You know the season's back, and we like to look at the stat lines and figure out who the you know which top recruits had top performances, and right in that one game, Rockwall and Highland Park. Yeah, you had Chandler Morris, and I think they were the two front runners for Recruit of the Week this week, based on what they did last Certainly. week. Certainly, I mean, yeah, Chandler Morris went off uh, in in their come from behind win. Most over people, I think, would have picked Morris because Highland Park won the won. game. But I was really impressed by the showing that Rockwall had in that yeah. game, and I think that they're here to say now we're in this this yeah. year. We're a contender. So I, I, think- I think that. That was an important statement for them, even though they lost the game. And now that the football season is upon us, we have a new feature. It's our This Week in Recruiting Game of the Week. Our This Week in Recruiting Game of the Week. We're going to the private school ranks. Parish Episcopal and Cedar Hill Trinity Christian. Uh, These are two programs here in the DFW Metroplex that are no strangers to blue chippers. And uh, I would say that the the headliners in this game are both taking the snaps for these two teams. Yeah, and it's going to be a lot of fun watching Preston Stone, who I think is rated as the number one quarterback nationally by one of the recruiting services, and uh, Shadur Sanders, of course, who is the son of Deion Sanders. Uh, is Deion Sanders. Yeah, do you know the name Deion? He did not play at Westbrook or North Shore. No, he did not. No, he did not. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm checking that out. Yes, so, I remember uh, him. Deion Sanders, and then there's a couple of transfers that have – moved in parish episcopal has a defensive end blake bruce who i'm mm-hmm. really intrigued with he's a 2020 guy who could probably slide around and do some different things i believe he played for irving mack mm-hmm. last year and then uh trinity christian has elijah yelverton who yes. transferred from bishop dunn who's mm-hmm. committed to iowa so he's our i think either number one or number two tied in in the 2020 rankings right now if a so, player goes to iowa do they even count as wow. a player is that listen, even a recruit worth noting listen to mr <laughs> whoosh 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 over there if you're a tight end i would say the answer to that question is definitively mm. yes it is it is especially a, a i'm tight pretty end. sure iowa's where tight ends go to die it is they've it never is, had a single one that's been successful it is it you is can't ha- name one you guys should know it is hate week it is hate week uh, El Asico is here. El Asico has arrived. Iowa and Iowa State. Yeah. Uh, he is Greg Powers of Next Level Athlete. Uh, follow him on Twitter at G Power Scout. Follow Next Level Athlete on Twitter at Next Level D One. Powers, appreciate your time. Uh, we will do this again next week. Let's do it. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football on the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells, and of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. I want to invite you to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We have so much stinking content at TexasFootball.com, and like some of it, some of the, I would say the best stuff, is uh, for insiders, including Tep and Step, our premium high school football podcast. Uh, the computer rankings of every team is up right now, and I'm writing a new piece like called Inside the Numbers, where I go through and uh, and kind of break down what you should be looking for, who are the biggest risers and fallers in Texas high school football in our computer rankings. We've got that up on the site. Coming up uh, as soon as I get back to my desk, uh, we will have the uh, the computer projections of all 
every Texas high school football game this week. I have not looked up the number, but it is something at or near 700. We will have projections of every single game in the state of Texas uh, this week going up on texasfootball.com. You can only find at uh, texasfootball.com if you are a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. You also get the two magazines, the summer edition and the recruiting edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football mailed directly to you. Uh, So become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider uh, at texasfootball.com slash insider. Thank you very much. Last week, we had the great opportunity. Oh, my God, power is gone. Um, we had the great opportunity. <laughs> it's a dumb show. Uh, we had the great opportunity to chat with a number of, uh, with a pair of officials, Rod McLean uh, and Bill Theodore of the Texas Association of Sports Officials. It's our second annual uh, recruiting, or rather, officials roundtable. Uh, with Tasso, we had a great conversation about rule changes. About uh, I asked them what they thought of the uh, the instant replay in the state championship games. Now that it's come and gone, uh, as well as just how they are doing as far as recruiting new officials is concerned. It's a really enlightening conversation. Uh, you should stick around for it. Here's our conversation with Bill Theodore and Rod McLean, our second annual officials roundtable here on Texas Football Today. Texas high school football is right around the corner. If it's not here already. And there are obviously a lot of eyes on the players, a lot of eyes on the coaches, but there's another very important group of people who make Texas high school football happen. Uh, We are proud to bring in our second annual officials roundtable. Uh, as we welcome in uh, Bill Theodore, he is the assistant executive director of the of the Texas Association of Sports Officials and a an official in the Fort Worth chapter. Hi, Bill. Hello. And Rod McLean, who is the football vice president of Tasso uh, and the president of the Fort Worth chapter. Rod, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having us. So, I guess first and foremost, like as a media member, I'm very excited about football getting here. Uh, I know there are a lot of fans who are excited about football getting here. Coaches, players. Do officials get excited about football getting here, or is this just don't oh, just work? They get really excited. Yeah, I mean, you think about, you know, coaches. Football practice just started the beginning of August. We've been going since April. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had chapter meetings, we had clinics, uh, spring scrimmages, mm-hmm. but since the end of June, we've been meeting every week talking about football. And last week we finally got on the field during scrimmages, so they're they're crazy waiting for next week to to be here. So then, in a lot of ways, it's it's because Tasso is not obviously we should say it's not just an organization of football officials; it's an organization of all sports officials across high school football. Six sports, six different sports. Uh, but you know, obviously here in Texas, football is king for for media members and for a lot of communities. Is it? Do you get the feeling that you know? Not that they don't. Not that the officials in, in Tasso don't care about the other sports. Obviously, they do. They wouldn't do it if they didn't. But uh, that football is kind of that that you know the, the sweet spot we all wait for for football to roll around. Football has the most officials mm-hmm. with almost six thousand. Some of them are multi-sport, where they'll work basketball or baseball or softball, um, soccer. Mm-hmm. I guess if they're so inclined. So it's. Football drives the bus to the football official, um, but the the excitement that you that they the bring to the table, the devotion, the dedication. I mean, it's it's no different than that first year coach that's starting in a program, or that kid that's graduated from the eighth grade to the ninth grade, and now he's going to start playing freshman football. I mean, it's the same kind of 
feeling, you know, the butterflies and everything. So and yeah. and you know, to to keep kind of drawing parallels, you know, I know coaches finish up the season <clears throat> and they're always thinking about next season. You know what I mean? They're always thinking about that. What as far as an off season for football officials is concerned, what does that look like as far as preparing uh, for the next year? Um. You know, a lot of it kind of starts around February mm -hmm. because in February we start hearing talk about, oh, here are potential rule changes. You'll see those kind of leak through and you'll see a piece of them. Some of them actually become rule changes, some of them don't. So right then in February, officials, football officials are starting to look and think of, okay, how is this going to – How's this going to affect us? Mm -hmm. You know, what do we need to do differently? How's that going to affect our mechanics and things like that? So once that once that comes, you're you're already starting to think about it and think where is that going to affect us? And then that that rolls right into to our meetings and our training and our clinic. You know, bigger picture, uh, early in the season. I mean, before in January, we're starting to talk Tasso, uh, talking about mechanics and changes that we might want to make there, uh, potential rule changes and things like that. So we're already putting that together, working on the clinics that'll go on across the state. So for a lot of us, it starts, it doesn't really stop either. Mm -hmm. It just keeps going once the season's over. You know, one of the big topics we had last, last year when we had you guys in, Bill, was, uh, was the, the shortage of officials. Mm -hmm. and, and I know that, um, I think I think I'll speak on behalf of the media <clears throat> brethren. I think that the media has done a, a, a decent job of getting out the message and, and saying done a great job. Oh, Absolutely. okay, fine. We'll say cool. that uh, we've done a great job of, of of getting out the message of that there's a need for officials. Have you guys have you felt like there has been you've seen an increase? You've seen uh, people getting more involved in in in, uh, in Tasso, and you've seen an increase in in numbers. And and where where do we stand as far as officials? Um, you know, the numbers are concerned. We've seen an increase. Mm -hmm. We can always use more. Mm -hmm. uh, aside from the media, which y'all are our biggest voice, mm -hmm. uh, but the next biggest voice is actually the coaches. Um, we have a program called START, which is students today are referees tomorrow. And so what we tell our coaches whenever we go and visit them at coaching clinics or the coaching association convention or whatever, pick two or three of your kids that you know are not going to have a ride to a, a scholarship for yeah. athletics to play football or basketball or baseball, but that want to stay involved, tell us who they are. Tell us where they're going to be. Send us their contact information. We'll reach out to them. We'll explain to them the program, uh, get them involved. If they're going off to school, we'll put them in contact with the local chapter. They're going to make they're not going to get rich, but they're going to have spending money in their pocket. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to be able to, and they can work their schedule at school around the officiating. <clears throat> you know, I mean, there's such a need that, you know, they're not going, we're not going to turn them away. And so we've gotten quite a few from coaches that say, hey, I've got this kid. He's going to be going to school at UT Pan American, and he wants to do soccer. You know, hey, great. We're going to hook him up with the chapter down there in the valley and get him fixed up. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a win-win for everybody. Um, the average age of our officials association-wide is 50. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's younger than me. And the average age of a new official coming in is 39. Mm -hmm. And back 36 years ago when I started, the average age was, you know, in your 20s. So we need to do a better job 
as older officials looking and grooming the people that are going to take our place. Mm-hmm. So, you know. No, I, I think that that's, that's a great point. And, and, you know, another thing we touched on last year, and, and I, I think it's, it's just worth hammering home again, is I think from a fan perspective, I think they have a, um, a responsibility call to respond you know they can do y'all a favor right yes by making a creating an environment in which people want to become officials uh, not just in the sense that you know you go up to a kid and you say hey you should go you know individuals but in making sure you go to the games and you act in a way that is not going to dissuade people from wanting to get yelled at basically uh you know being an official is a difficult job, and I'm not here to tell anybody that it's going to be easy. But I do think that fans can do their part, Rod, in, in making sure that they're creating an environment that is going that people are, that that's going to allow that kid sitting in the stands or on the sideline to be like, hey, you know what? I may not be able to go play football at the next level, but I can stay involved and I can I can be an official. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and I will tell you over the last few years, I mean, we we still hear stories and you still read about things that happen. But, you know, if I look at the games that I work, mm-hmm. and in general, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, we do get some of that, uh, some of that respect and, and some of that, those positive things that happen. And that, that's just good. It's good for everybody. It's good for the teams. It's good for the officials. It's good for everybody that's there at the game. And the more that we can get to that, the better off it is for everyone. Uh, it's it's Rod McLean and Bill Theodore of, of Tasso here on the second annual uh, officials roundtable here on Texas football today. Get involved in the conversation. Hashtag TF today. I want to go back to the state championship games. Um, first, I guess uh, one of the big things that we were really anticipating heading into the first, these state championship games was the use of instant replay. Uh, it had been kind of beta tested the year before and then fully put into place. Uh, from y'all's perspective, and I know you guys had a close eye on, on, on this, uh, how would you assess the, the use of the, of the instant replay, how it was rolled out in its first year? A complete success. Yeah. Absolutely. A complete success. Um, I meant to get the numbers before I, drove, <laughs> it's okay. before I drove up here today to tell you. I mean, we had a stoppage in every game. Mm-hmm. I think we had, for the, some reason, the number 18 is sticking out in my mind. Of all of the games, we had 18 I think that's reversals, right. yeah. um, which means it was 18 different times that something may have gone wrong on the field, and we got it right. And at the end of the day, that's the ultimate goal mm-hmm. is to get it right. Um, we had one snafu from the replay booth where they had uh, a – foul on a kick a kick out of bounds mm-hmm. and they let the ball be re-kicked from the um, 30 instead of the 35 and you know I mean that that was something that so easy it was so easy that it got overlooked yeah it was an unforced error. The, you know the hard ones were going to get right that was one easy that from the replay booth and the officials on the field it just it got overlooked it didn't affect anything mm-hmm. it, you know no harm no foul if you will uh, but for the for all of the people that were sitting on the edge of their seats, you know, and wondering what was going to happen, and I remember the first replay that we went to was in the six-man game, the first game, mm-hmm. and it was like, I mean, it, it just went off without a hitch. And so it's like, God, if they're all like this, how easy is this going to be? Uh, were you guys 
you know, I, we, we've talked about this. That your number one goal is to, to get it right, but this is a brave new world with, with instant replay. When that first replay came down, was there nerves? It was like, oh, man, please work. Please, please, please work. Oh, the I, I think everybody's heart stopped for a split <laughs> second. Uh, I think you with could, every one of the stoppages. Was yeah, I mean, you have to yeah. look at it this way. Those those high school officials, they've never experienced yeah. anything like this. And before each game, the replay officials were in the locker room, and they spent a considerable amount of time telling them, this is how this is going to go. We're, we're going to take care of it for you. All you have to do is say what we tell you to say, make the announcement, and it's going to be short and sweet, you know, and really easy. So when that first one went off, and I don't even remember what the play was, but everything happened just like it was supposed to, mm-hmm. and it was, hey, this is yeah. easy to go. We had veteran officials that were the sideline communicators to back to the replay booth, so they're there to help that official. You know, uh, I think the first six-man game was a crew maybe out of Amarillo. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they don't have replay. I mean, nobody did. So yeah. it was a learning curve, and they learned it on the fly. And, I mean, there wasn't any none, – none of these, oh, I can't do this, I don't want to do this, or mm-hmm. please help. I mean, it was just uh, – they, it worked itself out. It took care of itself. Yeah, I, 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 w- I was actually, you know, one of the things that, that impressed me is, um, look, we've all watched an NFL game or we've all watched a college football game where it seems like there's an endless review. And you're just going, oh, my gosh, can we please, you know, get, I know they're trying to get every angle. They're trying to look at every little thing. <clears throat> but it seems like it also seemed to me that they were done in a relatively timely fashion, knowing full well that it's going, it's not going to be 15 seconds, but it felt like to me that they that they they got in they did their job they came out they made the announcement we got the game back going it, it felt like the the timing aspect of the of the uh did not necessarily interfere with the flow of the game yeah i think it did and and i think a big part of that those guys that were up in the booth they're they're veteran mm-hmm. college replay officials so they're used to it and that was a great help to the the officials especially the referee on the field because they were used to it up in the booth and you have somebody on the field that that's really the first time they've ever done that and they were they were great in kind of talking them through the process and i I thought they did a really good job and and worked them very quickly there There was there was no practice Yeah. yeah you know there was no hey let's draw up a scenario and go out and do this i mean literally those guys are in the locker room two and a half hours before their scheduled kickoff time the replay crews in there at two hours, and they spend 45 minutes to an hour going through every aspect of of how this is going to go. And so, uh, you know, if you look at the very last play of the very last game, the North Shore Duncanville. I'm familiar. The, <laughs> the Hail Mary into the end zone and coming down for a score. And all of and one of the criteria were that all scores are going to be reviewed, especially that one happened in the corner, you know, on the side in the corner of the end zone. I mean, it it, ha- it went just like it was yeah. supposed to do. Well, in that play, I'm glad you brought up that play because I'll be honest, when they when after the shock wore off, and I started <clears throat> thinking about that play, I was so glad that it was clear. I was so glad that there were definitive angles. Completely. And there, and there, were, there was no doubt. There no was doubt. No doubt no that doubt. it was a catch. No doubt he was in bounds. No doubt he was behind the line of scrimmage. Everything was very clear because I definitely thought about 
and I'm sitting up there at the Fox Fox set thinking, man, if there's like a bobble or there's like a, a, a did it touch the ground or didn't it, like we're never – all we're going to hear about is the instant replay. Right. And so I think that was from a – I call it a PR perspective, whatever you want to call it, from getting people used to instant replay in high school football. That is a huge play, the most important play arguably, and it was – an undisputed win, I think, for instant replay to go out there and make sure the call was right. I thought that, like, to me, I had a little bit of relief when I saw those replays. Like, oh, okay, it's clear. There's not going to be any real, like, did they? Is there this little thing? One angle we're not seeing is clear from all angles. Yeah. It was it was really remarkable. Um, and, 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 you know, it's the first time we ever announced the state champion. The and best – that was the best ending to any game. And for all the reasons that you said for having instant replay, being a part of the high school game, and where it goes from here, we'll see whether it trickles down to the semifinals or through all the playoff games or eventually, like they do in Alabama, they're starting to use it in every one of their regular season games. Uh, Texas isn't there yet. I think, you know, we're on the we're on the cuffs. We'll get there. But for that game particular game itself everything that you've said or described is the reason that it works Mm -hmm. and you know it it, there should be no doubt now that yes this is a good thing for texas high school football i think i think that last play was really confirmation of the whole process Mm -hmm. all four days that this is this is a good thing and and i'm glad that we got it here um you know and and one last thing on on the state championship games you know you brought up the, the great point that those booth officials are veterans. Those mm-hmm. booth officials know what they're doing. I think it's also worth mentioning that these crews that are working the state championship games, I mean, these are these are the best of the best, you know, and these are these are really good, talented crews. And this is it's a you know, we, we, we talk a lot about how what a big deal it is for these coaches and these players to go to the state championship game. It's a big deal for these officials to be able to, to, to officiate a state championship game. Absolutely. That's a real feather in their cap in in, in their career as well. Yeah. And so it's 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 really remarkable to to see and and I, I was I was pl- I I as a neutral observer, I was nervous about instant replay. I was like, oh boy, this is going to go one of two ways. It's either going to go really well, or it's going to be a disaster, and we're never going to hear the end of it. And uh, well, you have a chance to be glorified mm-hmm. in public or crucified. Yeah. No, you know? and so and, and I think I think that's a part of replay. A lot of folks don't understand too is. Regardless of how slow you can see it and how many views, sometimes you just don't have it. Right. And so it, it's not the complete 100% cure. It is most of the time, but occasionally there are other times where it's just not there. You can't see it. And uh, that's something a lot of folks don't, don't remember. Bill Theodore and Rod McLean here from Tasso here for the uh, <coughs> officials roundtable here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation. Hashtag TF Today. All right. You brought me this. Yes. This feels There's like, a hint there. I was going to say, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like you're trying to get at something. I'm being in a nice way. Uh, this is the, uh, the, the rule book for, uh, for, for 2018. And you, we were talking beforehand. People are saying, 2018, where's the 2019 book? Hey, Bill, where's the 2019 book? So, the, <laughs> so a lot of people ask that. So the NCAA back years ago went to a two-year rule cycle where they will publish the major rule changes in even-numbered years. Mm -hmm. The off-numbered years or odd-numbered years, they look at anything that uh, needs to be looked at immediately as far as safety concern, 
player safety and whatnot. And so it's not generally referred to as a major rule change uh, time. Mm -hmm. So when they published the 2018, they do make a 2019 rule book. It's specific this year due to the 150-year anniversary of college football. Mm -hmm. But all the rules that are in the 2019 or in that 2018, except for a few of those safety changes and the inserts that we brought you, which is what we provide to everyone. So then we have this. And then you have that. We have the the, the, uh, the exceptions changes, rules, rules and, and UIL exception changes. Uh, worth mentioning for people who are unfamiliar, the UIL follows NCAA rules. That is the default. There are some things that they do a little bit differently. A few exceptions. A few exceptions yes. Generally speaking, it's college football. It's NCAA rules. Uh, and the only state in the United States to play really high school football under NCAA rules. I don't think I knew that. I, I knew that you they, learned something. I today. knew that they were. It's uh, uh, man, I learn something every day. Uh, the Massachusetts and Louisiana Max. were with were Massachusetts and Louisiana. And I think this this season. Massachusetts voted to go to the federation rules, and Louisiana did years ago. And there are some there are some key differences between federation rules and, and, and NCAA rules. We don't necessarily need to get into, uh, but uh, this is you know the the the, the new changes uh, coming up for 2019. Uh, from from your perspective, Rod, what is the one that that stands out to you? What's the what's what's the one that you're certainly going to be be thinking about? There's actually three okay. that are really standing out for me and for the officials, but I think the one the fans will notice the most is regarding targeting mm -hmm. uh, because that's that's the one that they're going to see, they're going to recognize most, uh, and it's, and it's going to, I think, have a, a, a big effect into what they're used to seeing last year regarding targeting and what they're going to see this year. Mm -hmm. um, the targeting file itself didn't change. The, the foul of targeting is the, still the foul. Nothing there changed. What changed was the penalty. And so now we, we have actually two different penalties for targeting. One is a flagrant foul. Mm -hmm. One is a non-flagrant foul. For a non-flagrant targeting foul, it's still a 15-yard penalty, automatic first down if, it, if it's against a defense, but there's no player disqualification. Mm -hmm. Now, if a player gets two of those fouls, non non flagrant targeting fouls with the second one it includes a disqualification so the flagrant targeting foul still includes disqualification just as it did last year um, so the biggest change for us is is trying to determine what's flagrant and what's non-flagrant um, in the in the targeting rule itself the rule book says when in doubt mm -hmm. it is a foul for targeting and so if they're you know targeting is a very technical foul there are a lot of things. There's two, actually two different targeting fouls. One involves contact with the crown of the helmet, mm -hmm. uh, eyebrows back. That's pretty straightforward. Player does contact there. I think that's, that's what targeting. I think that's what people when the you think spearing. of targeting, that's the one that you think about. Yeah, yeah. spearing yeah. exactly. Yeah. The other targeting that's a little more difficult is there's a lot of pieces to it. Um, you have contact against a defenseless player. Mm -hmm. The rule book tells us eleven different players that are termed defenseless. Passer. Uh, receivers, kick returners, mm -hmm. a player receiving a blindside block. Mm -hmm. um, so they have certain defenseless players. And if that defenseless player is contacted in the head or neck area, that could be a targeting foul. But then we also, on the player that making the contact, you got to look for indicators. Did they, did they launch, mm -hmm. right? Did they go down and come up? Did they make contact 
forcibly with a shoulder, a forearm, things like that. So there are a lot of pieces to that foul. And a lot of times for officials, it happens that fast. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is quick. We don't have the benefit of replay. We don't get to watch it frame by frame from five different angles. So we have to make it that quick. And it was difficult. And, you know, the coaches, this is actually a UIL exception change, mm -hmm. not the NCAA. So for us in high school football, the coaches were, were concerned that maybe we weren't calling, targeting as mm -hmm. many times as we probably should um, because it was the, the penalty was very severe. Yeah. Disqualification of a player. And if you weren't completely 100% sure, it goes against everything an official does. We, we, we don't want to have a foul or throw a fly for a foul if we're not 100% sure. Especially one that's going to have the kind of impact exactly. that, that, that this kind of penalty yeah. is going to have. So, to the UIL's credit, I think they, they put this, this change into the exceptions, knowing that this is a very critical player safety, things that we need to have out of the game, um, in, in hopes that, as officials, we'll, we'll make those calls when we need to make them, knowing that it's not always a disqualification. Um, however, if a player does it twice, yeah. the second time he's disqualified. No so, in a way, that's kind of our replay. Mm -hmm. um, we don't get the benefit of it, but it, it gives us some some room there. And I think I think it's it's honestly going to be really good. And I, I think I you know you mentioned the word flagrant, and, and I think people think about that word and they think basketball, right? They think mm -hmm. flagrant felt. And in a lot of ways, this is very similar to the flagrant situation, at least in, in the NBA, where they have a flagrant one, which is. Uh, you know that's a that's a hard foul. That's something that you know. That, but it, it's it it you don't get thrown out of the game. And there's flagrant two, which is I think they they term excessive violence or something, and you're immediately ejected. Basically, if you throw a punch, more or less. But it's like you're it's immediate ejection. So um, I do think that's really interesting that that the NCAA and, and and the UIL and kind of you know have have made sure that it's not. Um, because ultimately, it sounds like it's, it's it's you guys are in favor of this because you are not suddenly thrust into a position where it's all or nothing, basically. Right. Where yeah. because the penalty is so severe that if a player, let's say, it normally would have been a non-flagrant call, but you're oh boy, it's real close. I'm gonna throw the flag. Well, you know, on replay, if some if if this getting shown on Channel Five or whatever that night, people are gonna look at that and go. Why was he thrown out of the game? And then you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I, I just I ruined, I got that kick kicked out for two quarters, and you've impacted the game. Because I know we've talked about the last thing you want to do is put yourself in the middle of something. So it seems like this is the kind of rule that's going to give you guys a little bit more flexibility and a little bit more comfort in throwing the, throwing the flag and making sure that the spirit of the rule, which is supposed to be about safety, mm -hmm. uh, gets enforced. Yeah. Well, and that – the coaches brought this to the football rules committee back in April with that that same argument of we only have replay in the state championship. We don't have it in every other game. So, therefore, when we have a targeting foul call and then we go back and look at it the next morning on a huddle clip and say, oh, wow, he didn't get him in the head. He got him here in the shoulder. But that view from that official – looked like he got him in the head right so that's where that comes into play of okay we can it's not as severe you know it's not it's not gonna penalize that kid for something that may not have happened mm -hmm. so it and it's a good thing uh, let's let's 
talk about the A and M L S U rule, which is I mean, let's be honest, that's what this that's what the rule is. Uh that after uh that is after the fifth what is the fifth extra period or beginning of the beginning, fifth extra period. Beginning of the fifth. It's one play it's a it's a two point conversion in basically mm-hmm. instead of uh, yes. starting from starting from the twenty five. Yeah. Um uh, I'm I'm very interested in, in in what you guys think. Obviously, you're going to enforce the rules that are given to you, regardless. But um, it, what what are your what are your thoughts on on this rule change? I know it's look in the end, how many games are going to go to a fifth overtime? I, I don't know if we've had one in Texas high school football in at least three years, and that and we're talking about thousands of games. Uh, but I'm interested, kind of, from your perspective as somebody who thinks who think about this, this these types of things a lot. What you're interested in. I'm, I don't know that's going to happen a lot. Yeah. I mean, we do t- typically. I've had a few overtime games. They usually last one period. Mm-hmm. Usually, they're they're usually over pretty quick. Maybe two. Um, this situation, you know, it it does those games. It does is going to keep those teams from from long, long, tiresome, tiresome things. Potentially dangerous. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, another another piece of that is after the second overtime and the fourth overtime, we'll have a two minute timeout. Mm. Which was something new that they added to the rule, also. So, kind of goes to that, you know, making sure the players are are safe <clears throat> and, and ready to go. One thing to note: six man football, one A football. Um, they won't start at the three; they will start at the seven yard line, and they must run a play and not kick. So that's a little difference between eleven man and six man football. It picks up. That's awesome. And from oh, I love I love plays from the seven yard line. I think that's my oh, favorite yeah. thing. The one the one snap from the seven from someone who has worked a seven overtime game mm. in college, mm. where if that fifth overtime, I would have killed for that. I would have killed for that rule because we were in in southern Arkansas, Magnolia, Arkansas, early season, hot, humid, and it was ten thirty at night. It was a TV game, and. I mean, even the TV people are like from the sideline. Is this thing ever going to end? Can we you know, get out of here? Knock somebody down. Get them in the end zone. Let's get this over with. So I'm glad to see it. Um, the you know we'll we'll see how it plays out. I think for districts that have positive points, mm. that might be something that may need to be looked at later because now you're you're limiting. Yeah. That point differential of what you have to win by, but that's an argument for another day. For right now, you know, I don't think we're going to get to that far where I'll be surprised to see a five overtime game. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm just sitting you because I've said it. Move. Now we're going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Like in a and state. it's probably going to happen in week one. Yeah. Somewhere, and we'll hear all about it's it. It's either going to happen week one or it's going to happen in the five A Division two state championship there you game, go. <laughs> and then it's going to be. But hey, we have a rule for it. Now. Exactly. You have a rule for it. Um, Bill Theodore and Rod mm-hmm. McLean of Tasso uh, talking, uh, officiating. Uh, I, I think I speak on behalf of all Texas high school football dorks uh, when I say thank you guys for, for everything that you do. You guys help us to enjoy the sport that we like, and we the games literally wouldn't go on uh, without you. So I will say thank you uh, to that. Uh, if people are listening to this and they're going, you know, I've always thought about being an official. Uh, how, how can they uh, get involved? Go to www.taso.org. Mm-hmm. And at the very top of the page, there's the uh, application process membership. And read about us. Click on it. It'll take you to a membership link to where you can sign up and go right ahead. 
put you in contact with your local chapter for any sport anywhere in the state, and we'll be glad to have you. Okay. For you coaches that are listening, there's a bunch of coaches that <laughs> officiate on the side, so hey. you're getting the best of both worlds. Yeah, you can you can you can be a true football junkie. Yes, and you get can. Every angle of this. Yes, thing. you can. Uh, it's taso.org. Uh, make sure you check it out. Uh, Rod McLean and Bill Theodore. Guys, thanks for stopping by. And um, what are you guys doing like one year from now? You having another roundtable? I mean, we, we could see. I'm, I'm We've done it two times in a we'll row. We'll do it two times. Well, we'll... I will tell you, a year from now, uh-huh. it will be probably the second week of scrimmages again. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be gearing up for working scrimmages and getting ready for next week, week one. When are you going to come work a scrimmage with us? Oh, my gosh. Um, Let me tell you something. I, <laughs> I am I am extremely comfortable. I was at a venue. Going. I was at a venue last week where they had it was a scrimmage going on, and they had a person from the television media there, in stripes and shorts, wearing a GoPro camera on his hat, and he was working a varsity scrimmage. And I mean, this guy was all in, and he had he said. I really had a love for the game before being a sportscaster. Now I'm in. You know, I, I, it's going to be a career move here. So anytime you want to work, we'll provide you the we, shirt. We can we'll you provide up. you the shorts. You bring your own jock strap and shoes, and you're in. I got to be on. I don't know if I can pull off the stripes. That's the thing that's really oh, holding me back. Anybody, <laughs> how do you know until you try? All right, uh, I'll have my people get in touch and with you. And think people. about the story that that would be at the next officials' roundtable oh that you can sit down and say, guys, last week I worked this scrimmage oh with these God. guys. See? Max yeah. will be there to film. You had to do this. I know. You I'm always up for any opportunity to embarrass Greg. <sighs> He's in. It's a done deal. Sign him up. This is the last officials roundtable. Appreciate Phil Theodore <laughs> and Rod McLean coming by. Guys, appreciate your time. Let's do it again next year. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. There he is, Bill Theodore and Rod McLean of Tasso. It's a shame we just didn't have any fun um, talking officiating in in Texas high school football. And and you know I, I um, those are the guys that I think inherently in their job they don't want to be seen. Because you talk right. to them, they say the best games are when nobody notices we're there. Yep, that's the best kind of game. Right. Um, but it's worth remembering that they are an integral part of of the Texas high school football and football period landscape. That uh, and they're always looking for officials. Tasso.org is where you can check it out. And um, and I, I think he brought up the point. He goes, um, he said, if 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 every coach in the state had one guy. That is not going to go play football in, in, after high school, um, but would would start the training process of becoming an official. Right, we would solve this shortage in a heartbeat. And, and you know, it's it is that easy. And and you make a little bit of scratch, you have fun doing it. Uh, you go out there, and and you know, officials we talk to love what they do. They think that it's just a lot of fun. And um, you know, it, I'm not here to tell you it's all sunshine and daffodils, but it's it's a pretty pretty good gig if you can get it. So, and you can get it. Tasso.org. So we appreciate uh, Rod McLean and Bill Theodore checking in with us. And now we go to Max Thompson for America's second favorite segment, Final Thoughts. Uh, I, there's a lot of comments. I don't know. 
Back to you. All right. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Shout out to Lance Pickle. Uh, <laughs> follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at texasfootball.com for the dearly departed Greg Powers and Max Thompson. I'm Greg Tepper. <laughs> Vince Young, placing the year player of the year trophy. Tune in tomorrow for the picks for – boy, we've got to shoot that today. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the picks, free money. Uh, we'll get you ready for football weekend tomorrow on Texas Football Today.